we have a guest, uh, Jeff Egbert. He is from the Pinckneyville Press, the DuCoin Weekly. We've been talking about having this conversation for quite some time, so I'm glad to have it today. Jeff, good to see you. Hey, good to see you as well. Thanks for having me in. So, of course, we have to always mention uh, when you join me, whether it's in the studio or on the phone, that this is familiar territory for you. You worked here at WXAN some uh, three, four hundred years ago. Yes. I, uh, I, I, we, we were talking about this earlier before we were on the air, but I felt like I should be given a traffic report from the Ava Blacktop <laughs> when I came in. Those were, those were fun days. You know, I'm 16 years old. I'm working in radio. It's my first job off the farm. And just absolutely loved it. I worked with, you know, people like Doug Apple. And, you know, we were going down the list. Harold Lauder, you know, was the owner at the time. And, you know, until his passing, you know, a few years back. And um, worked with Harold. Worked with uh, Bill McCarty. Worked with Tim Petrovich. who went by Tim Richards on the air. And, you know, just learned learned a lot at 16 years old about media and the inner workings of how, you know, the sausage is made, so to speak. Was that in the late 80s? It would have been probably, I think I would have started in 86 and then worked here for, oh, three, four years and then got an opportunity with the County Journal, which is a great newspaper based in Percy, Illinois, and moved over there, um, you know, spent five or so years there and then spent time traveling around the state to different, you know, various newspapers, you know, just trying to gain the knowledge and, and learn everything I could, you know, whether it was weekly groups or daily newspapers. Um, at the end, before I started the newspaper in uh, Pinckneyville, I was working at the Missouri Lawyers Weekly and had an office downtown St. Louis. I, my view out my window was one of the legs of the arch. I mean, it was just, it, I really enjoyed my time there. But when I, the, the Pinckneyville Democrat closed uh, in early 2009, and it had been kind of a ghost paper for several years. And when it closed, um, I, I went to my mom. I was out at the farm, you know, our farm's out by Denmark here in beautiful southern Illinois. And I said, Mom, I said, it, do you think people would take to it if I started a newspaper in Pinckneyville? And my mom looked at me and she goes, oh, Jeff, she goes, we're, we're not from Pinckneyville. And I, and I thought, well, what does that mean? Like, I grew up in Pinckneyville. You know, I grew up like eight miles out of town and, uh, you know, went to Trico High School. But you know, spent a lot of time as a kid in Pinckneyville, whether it was, you know, with 4-H or hanging out at the pizza pit back in the day. And, you know, had a lot of roots in, in Pinckneyville, born born at the Pinckneyville Hospital back in the day. And uh, just felt a calling to come back and start the paper for the community. And that was in 2009. Yes. And the paper, did it begin as a weekly, as a daily? How did it, it begin? began as a weekly. Um, it's very hard in a community our size and a county our size to have a daily paper, which obviously has played out over the years. You know, all of the dailies basically in Southern Illinois have, have cut back to one or two days a week. And it, it's very hard to be able to generate enough local content to be able to put out a paper, you know, on a, on a five day a week or seven day a week basis. The, the other problem you have is the cost involved in that. You know, my, I know what it costs us to put the paper out, and, you know, I'm not getting rich at this. I haven't gotten rich since we opened it. Again, it was, it was kind of a labor of love. It, it was a calling, you know, to come back home and, you know, do something that I thought was beneficial to, to my local county, my, my hometown. And it, it's just one of those things where the, the cost involved 
to print twice a week or even daily is just astronomical. We wouldn't be able to get enough advertising, you know, to be able to support that and pay for it. And the last thing I want to do is try to put out more and end up costing myself the business. Sure. Well, it's uh, the Ducoin Weekly slash Pinckneyville Press. So it's essentially serving both communities in broader yeah. Perry County in, in a singular product, we, correct? We, we had two separate publications. Um, and the majority of the news that we were printing, anything countywide, um, you know, anything regional, was going into both publications. And we were paying for two sets of printing plates, which anyone that knows the process knows you have to... In the old days, we had negatives, and then, you know, we would burn the plates and put those on the printing press. And, you know, that has a cost to it. And then, you know, you're doing the press run, and that each press run has a cost to it. We made the decision uh, January 1 of 2020 to combine the two into the Perry County Weekly Press. Mm -hmm. And we did that not knowing COVID was around the corner. And it's one of those situations where I'd rather be lucky than good. By doing what we did, it probably saved our business. Hmm. Well, and the other thing that I find interesting about the uh, Pinckneyville Press and the uh, the Ducoin Weekly as it is, is that it's, you know, obviously, like most papers, it's not just a paper. You know, uh, I, this is one of the questions I had written down here, is that the, um, the the print media, while I have a physical paper here in my hands, and I think that's a very important part of the business model, uh, what what does the, the consumption of the paper look like to you? Like, how many... Uh, people are in your opinion or maybe you've got got the numbers you don't have to share them if you don't wish or consuming well, a, con- consuming a a actual physical paper today it's we offer an electronic edition and we can email it directly to you you get it every wednesday morning unless you know something goes awry but as a rule it goes out sometime after midnight between midnight and 8 a.m and people can get that we have people that live in Alaska or Florida or California or even northern Illinois that, because of things going on with the Postal Service, may not get that paper for two weeks, three weeks. Um, but when we try to get them to switch over to the electronic edition, we're like, hey, you can have a day of. They don't want it. They want the paper. Right. And there's something about a printed newspaper. There's something about that tactile feel in your hands that people just kind of crave. I don't know if it's a little bit of a retro feeling, um, you know, in today's modern electronic age, but people like having the hard copy of the newspaper. Well, it reminds me of my grandfather, Tim Stevens, which I, you know, one of my earliest memories is him in his um, easy chair, essentially in the living room. And uh, after church on Sundays, he did not subscribe to the Post-Dispatch, but he would always buy a Sunday Post-Dispatch and um, would sit and between church and when the cardinal came came on that afternoon he would read the paper yep and um i remember vividly one of the only times that i ever got a actual uh, spanking was whenever he was trying to read his paper and i was messing around behind his mm-hmm. easy chair and he stood up and picked me up by the uh uh, handles of my little baby overalls and swatted me on the rear and threw me about halfway across the room. So um, I learned quickly not to bother him during his newspaper time. <laughs> exactly. My my uh, grandfather, Waldo Egbert, was a uh, subscriber to the old Globe Democrat. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I would, when I was a young 
child, you know, over at Grandma and Grandpa's house, I would sit and read the comics mm-hmm. in in the old, you know, Globe Democrat. And it, you know, that eventually went away. And, you know, now you just have the Post-Dispatch up in St. Louis. But that that's one of the things with what we do or with what you do on the radio. There's always an ebb and flow to things. You yeah. know, things change, you know, things, you know, you, you had two newspapers in St. Louis and, and you had Ingersoll actually come in back in St. Louis and uh, open up, I think it was the St. I want to say the St. Louis star and opened up a, a competing daily to the post dispatch. I think it made it maybe nine months to a year and then, you know, fizzled out because even in St. Louis, it's hard for a community of that size to support two publications. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How many employees? Um, so we have, uh, seven employees full and part-time then we have a few stringers um, that jump in and help us out uh, that, you know, may take pictures in the evenings or different times when our staff isn't available and, um, you know, wrecks, fires, things that pop up like that, that uh, they go out and help us out with. But actually on payroll, we have seven folks plus myself. Speaking of uh, wrecks and fires, uh, last question before we take the first break, about a year ago or so, uh, there was a, a fire that... Uh, severely damaged uh, your offices there in Pinckneyville. Yep. Uh, what was the ultimate outcome of, of that fire? It, uh, I, I don't think anything was ever determined what happened. It started in the uh, White Rabbit, which was actually next door to us. But as is in a lot of small towns, all of our buildings were built off of each other. Right. And when the White Rabbit, you know, caught fire and, you know, caught, subsequently collapsed, it basically did so much damage to our building, there was no way, it was not cost feasible to save it. Right. And so where do you operate out of now, we, or do you have a home base? We had a satellite office in New Coin, and we basically moved everyone into that, and we've been functioning out of that office, uh, you know, ever since the fire last, not last December, but the December before. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking at a location to get back, because it would be nice to be at the county seat. Sure. And it helps a lot with coverage and things that we do. But, you know, as of right now, it's it's working for what we need. Jeff Egbert is our guest in the studio today. He is, uh, well, what is your official title with the Paintyville Press? Um, I, CEO? Owner, publisher. I would say I take the trash out, but my entire staff, if they're <laughs> listening, would throw a fit about that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, he's heavily involved with the organization. We'll take the first break of the day, and we'll be back with more right after this. In the studio with me today is Jeff Egbert, the uh, CEO of the Ducoin Weekly and the Pinckneyville Press. Uh, you're in partnership with Jerry Reppert? Yep. Uh, Jerry's down at Anna and uh, recently, uh, I guess, kind of, I don't want to say retired, but uh, divested himself of a lot of his publications and things. And, uh, you know, Jerry's been a great partner for us up at the, uh, you know, the Weekly Press. And just a great guy. I've learned so much from him since we started the paper back in uh, 2009. Just incredible guy. He also has uh, Reppert Office Supplies. Put a put a little plug in there for him with the uh, yeah having a locally owned office supply company like that. But uh, you know Jerry's just been a great guy, and you know been. I always wondered if if my style of journalism, how it was going to mesh with his style of journalism, and uh, he's he's been very good to me. Well, what is your style of journalism? It, it basically, when we started the paper, 
I thought we would be doing a lot of sports, a lot of things with the schools, um, you know, the grip and grin photos, you know, that, that people like to see in the paper. And as time progressed and we got a year, year and a half, two years in, we started, you know, seeing some things, or at least I did, that I didn't understand. We Things were being done in local government um, by, by politicians or by government, you know, I don't want to say bureaucrats. That's probably a little too harsh to say, but, you know, just everybody had kind of gotten in their own groove of what they were doing and really took offense in the beginning to me coming in and asking questions about why money was being spent the way it was or why, you know, things were being done the way they were. And it took several years and a lot of pushback from the, the people in the various levels, you know, you, you understand that in Illinois, there, there are probably more levels of government than anywhere else in the country. And, you know, all of those little levels of government all had their own little idiosyncrasies that I had to kind of battle through. And, you know, we, we did a lot of FOIA work in the beginning, uh, Freedom of Information Act, and, you know, a lot of open meeting things where things weren't being done, you know, in, in the, the open and honest government light that the state legislature calls for. And, again, got a lot of pushback to that. In I'll, I'll say this, in the first 10 years that I had the the paper and then papers open because we opened the DuCoin Weekly later before we merged them. Um, in the first 10 years, we had covered either, it was over a million dollars worth of questionable government spending, malfeasance, or outright theft just in Perry County. And you figure, you know, you extrapolate that across the state and across the country. There's so many of our tax dollars that are just being spent wrong and you know being misappropriated i can tell you and it's not something you don't already know but i've lived the experience when i was both on the jackson county board and since i've been mayor now for about 10 years that in a in a government the size of murfreesboro or jackson county which is uh doesn't usually see a reporter come to a meeting yeah like in murfreesboro we don't have anybody that covers our meetings anymore and, and I think a lot of government officials would think that's a good thing. It's a it's bad not. thing. Yeah. Because I can tell you that uh, if there is a TV reporter or newspaper reporter there, that you just function differently. Yeah. And, and it's, it's no different. It's just human behavior. I mean, whenever... Think about the difference between when the teacher's there and when the substitute teacher's there, yep. you know, in, in the fourth grade classroom. I mean, and I'm not trying to denigrate any unit of government or call any unit of government a bunch of fourth graders. I'm just saying it's human nature. Yeah. And uh, as we see, you know, these newspapers and these news agencies fall away in a lot of these small towns, inevitably there's going to be these situations like you see in uh, Dix, Illinois, 10 or 12 years ago, where you had a city treasurer there who had stolen millions and millions and millions of dollars from a community of about a thousand people over the course of 20 years. Yep. She was literally had a stable full of show horses. And anybody on the surface should have been able to look at that and say, well, she only makes $30,000 a year. How does she own a hundred show horses? Exactly. (laughs) But there was no newspaper to ask the question. But that has happened over and over. It's happened in Perry County. It's happened, you know, we, we, 
you know, and I, I don't want to go into necessarily specifics on a lot of this stuff, but we had a lady who in Pinckneyville had stolen over $400,000 from the rural fire department. Yeah. Um, we had a lady at City Hall that took close to $70,000 of uh, water payments. Right. And, you know, you you can just go on and on and on. We had a gentleman that went through the federal courts that had uh, stolen, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but he was on the Perry County Fair Board and mm-hmm. had stolen money. And these are people, you know, you've grown up with and things just happen. And, you know, it starts usually, I would say, with something small and then nobody notices and then they do it again and then they do it again. And before you know it, I mean, real money is disappearing. Well, and what happens oftentimes is that you'll have a water billing department where you have a community with a budget of maybe, I don't know, million and a half dollars a year. And they've got to fund the police because yep. you've got to have a police force. You've got to fund maybe a code enforcement officer. You've got to fund a fire department. And you've got to fund all these various agencies. You've got to pay the mayor and the city councilman. And the, the water billing manager ends up entering the payments, taking the payments, making the deposit, yep. and all these things. And, um, you know, maybe somebody says, well, you know, we just can't afford to hire two or three more people in the water billing department. We don't need that many people in that department. But you need that many people just so that there's checks and balances inside the department. Exactly. So it's, um, you know, the, the challenges of small-town government and, and the importance of journalism to hold it accountable um, are not lost on me. I wanted to ask you, and uh, goes right along in this vein, there has been a movement, and I think that it is maybe dangerous. I don't know how it would work out, that government like our tax dollars should support or uh, supplant or supplement local media agencies. Mm-hmm. Like there should be a tax on something and that money should be used to pay the Pinckneyville Press to go cover DuCoin Council meetings. What do you think about that? I, I'm personally not in favor of it. Um, you, you could make that argument right now, and a lot of people in the newspaper industry will get mad at me for saying this, but legal notices in the newspapers there there's an argument to be made that there's a little bit of that that's helping supplement the newspapers i would make the argument that those legal notices are very important because you and i both know um if it's left to you know whatever you know school board or city council or or county board or water department or whatever it might be if they're left to their own devices where they can put out their, you know, bid notices or this or that and just give them to the people that they want them to go to, that's going to happen. And I I actually argue um, against putting legal notices on, you know, letting the cities or water departments or whatever it might be maintain their own website and put up their legal notices because you and I both know if you want to put it out there and pretend to be transparent, you can, but you hide it in a subfolder of a subfolder where somebody may have to search and search and search and never be able to find it on that page. But if you ask them about it, like, well, why did you hide this? Oh, it's right here. And they can, they know right where it is. Exactly. Right. And by, by putting those legal notices in the newspaper, they're there for everyone to see. Do, does everybody go through and read them? Probably not. Should they? Absolutely. There's a lot of lot of things that happen in our local governments that are, you know, spelled out in those legal notices. And 
they're there for people to read. Now, whether again, whether they do or not, that's up to them, but that's a good way to stay informed. Jeff Egbert is in the studio with me today. He is the uh, head of the Pinckneyville Press, the Ducoin Weekly. Uh, the current copy of the Pinckneyville Press, uh, is it just available on newsstands around Perry County? Yep. We mail to, uh, you know, mail mail a ton of newspapers out. Uh, I, I pay a lot of money to mail the newspapers out every week, but uh, we have them on the newsstands um, throughout uh, Pinckneyville, um, Ducoin, Tamaro, even down in Elkville. Um the, the cases there in Elkville, we put them there because a lot of people from Duquoin travel to the Carbondale area to work. And it's a way, if they stop in the morning and get it, they can grab the paper on the way through. We've also got them up in uh, Coulterville and even over at Cutler at the new Cutler Commissary there. And I noticed that it's $1. It, yes. How can anything is. be $1? It's getting harder <laughs> and harder for it to be $1. Um, you know, I'll... I'll not to delve off into politics too much with you here, because you and I have those discussions off air usually. Um, I have gone through several minimum wage increases over the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, just to give you an example, my payroll went up this year $10,000 without adding a person. And it's done that for the last several years, and it's going to do it again next year. And you know when it get, and you may say, well, Jeff, you should be paying more than minimum. In, in some positions I can't, some positions I can't. There's only so much money that comes in. But the little hidden cost there is I've had to keep the people that were above minimum wage, I've had to raise them to keep them at the tier they were all right. You know, when, when all of this started. And the state of Illinois thinks that small businesses are just made of money, and it could not be further from the truth. I'm, I'm the last guy in the chain you know, normally that, that gets paid. And trust me, they're, you know, last year was pretty good for us. We actually had a very good year. The couple of years prior to that, there were weeks I did not get a check to take home. Well, I, I could give my own stump speech about the uh, Illinois minimum wage law and what it has done in terms of driving inflation and how uh, really the state-by-state state minimum wage is, is kind of a wild way to run a yep. railroad anyway. Um, it's very difficult for some states to be uh, competitive and when it comes to attracting uh, employers uh, when you have such a, I don't know, disjointed minimum wage situation across this country. Um, I'm probably running this segment a little longer than I, than I ought to, but I, I, I mentioned politics and this comes to my mind. So is the news media liberal? Um, I, you know, I'll just, I'll just go on record and say it. I'm not. Um, are a lot of people that uh, I consider my colleagues probably more than more than not. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from just the fact. Let me take a drink here, real quick. Sure, it's coffee, people. Yes, yeah. <laughs> with, with with oddly enough, with a, two Jolly Ranchers in it, so I needed to get a little bit of sugar in there for my throat. Yeah, I uh, I had just a side note. I'm good at jumping tracks. I had a uh, my Jeep break down on me last night, and I actually thought it caught fire. And so I spent a lot of time out in the cold last night with the uh, Cutler Fire Department and the uh, oh, the Myers from uh, uh, rural Pinckneyville actually stopped and gave me a warm car to get into for a while. And, uh, you know, then we, we ended up towing, towing my Jeep. So hopefully nothing too bad is wrong with it, but... It would. It had a lot of smoke rolling out from under. Well, that it. can be a harrowing experience, it, especially in you know eight degree weather. Right. So, yeah. But that that being said, um, 
yes, I think a lot of people go into journalism um, because they're, they want to make a difference. They want to make a change. What scares me, and I'll just say this about you know, the, the schools of journalism around the country, is I think more and more we're training our, our young people, our, our journalists of the future, to be social justice warriors more than journalists. And it frightens me on a national level when you can turn on Fox or you can turn on CNN or MSNBC and it's like we're living in two different worlds. Yeah. You know, journalism is journalism. The story is the story. And when you get to a point where whether it's Fox not running something bad about, you know, a a Republican or CNN or MSNBC not running something good about a Republican or vice, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um we're we're in some really dangerous territory. And when you have these 24-hour news cycles, you know, with the oh with the uh cable news networks and things, they have to fill that time and more than not they fill it with pundits who are only there to make sure they get their sound clips out. Yeah, it's and they're, they're saying the most outrageous things. People in the middle um, you know, whether whether they're middle conservative or, 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 you know, on the Democrat side, you know, middle of the road, they don't make for good 24-hour news coverage. Right. Because, you know, if you go on and say something logical, it doesn't rile people up. And the, the more that we have turned from true journalism into, you know, this, this society where everyone has an opinion and social media has not helped that at all oh no it's definitely amplified everything yes and you know people i've had that where i'll say something i'll i'll throw a little nugget out on my facebook wall or whatever and you know i'll have people just come unhinged on one side or the other and it's like guys it's we're we're not solving the world's problems here it's it's just a social media page right yeah it's you know it we we've gotten in a really scary place when it comes to journalism and the fact that you know I can report a story and I can do all of my due diligence and I file FOIAs and I get documents and I get court records and I run the story and the minute I run that story all somebody has to do is go on a Facebook page and scream fake news and everybody piles on and said I just made it up yeah. and it's like no like I have all the documents, it's all here. <laughs> and and I I will say this, and I'm, I'm going to rile some people up, but Donald Trump has not helped that. He's He points at the back of the room at the bank of journalists, and a lot of them may be liberal journalists, and a lot of them may have targeted him for things like Russiagate and different things that, that turned out not to actually be real. But he's lumping me and the people from the County Journal and Marilyn Halstead from the Southern Illinois and, and your lovely wife, you know, that, that works in journalism with uh, Capital News Illinois. He's lumping all of us in with that. And it, it's not fair and it's not healthy. And people always say, you know, it's not good for our democracy. I'm, I'm one of those that we don't have a democracy. We have a, a constitutional republic. republic. Right. And it's not good for our republic. We're, we're fracturing, and it's it's scary. Well, there's a quote that I brought to the interview today that it's applicable, and I'll mention it, and then we'll take a break. And it was uh, John F. Kennedy said, The men who create power make an indispensable contribution to the nation's greatness, but the men who question power make a contribution just as indispensable, especially when that questioning is disinterested. 
for they determine whether we use power or power uses us. And the thing that's changed in that equation is that much of the questioning, I think, today, whether it's from the right or the left, is not disinterested. You know, the, the, the journalists, many of them, um, are, as you said, acting in more of a uh, social, political, activist type of a style than just simply reporting what is going on. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, uh, it is 1239. Uh, we need to take uh, get late to the bottom of the hour break and be back with more right after this. With us today is Jeff Egbert. He is the CEO of the uh, DuCoin Weekly and the Pinckneyville Press. One of the challenges of running a news agency, whether it's national, regional, local, is the fact that the whole business model is such that, you know, we just took a break and we heard from uh, McBride Mac Sales and Maria Hafford Law. When you open up the Pinckneyville Press, there's ads there from the Pinckneyville Hospital, particularly in your case where you're covering the news. How do you deal with it whenever your one of your primary advertisers becomes the subject of a news story? It it It's funny you ask that because uh, when... In, in a past life, I was the publisher of the uh, Waterloo Republic Times. And I won't say who the uh, client was, but we, we had a client that advertised with us, and it was, a good, it was a good customer. She calls me up one day, and she said, Hey, Jeff, um, my relative was arrested um, for cocaine possession, and I need you to leave that out of the paper. And I said, I, I can't do that. Yeah. And she goes, I spend a lot of money with you. You you have to do this for me. And I said, that's exactly why I can't. And I said, it's not fair that just the poor kids get their names in the newspaper. We lost the client. Um, but you you have to you have to have those lines where if it's news and it's legitimate news, you're going to report it and you just take the lumps because the minute you lose your integrity, you're done. Jeff Egbert is with us today. Um, if people want to subscribe to the paper, I assume they just go to your website or they go to the Facebook page. How do they do it? Yeah, go to we we actually don't have an active website, and I get a lot of grief from my journalism friends over that. We flirted with a website a couple three different times, and I started killing my rack sales because we were putting our stories out, and people were like, well, you're only doing three or four stories. Well, yeah, those are the three or four stories on my front page that sell the paper, right? And I learned really quickly that me having a website in a community the size of ours was me just making a layer of competition where I'm giving my stuff away for free. Well, that doesn't do me a service, doesn't do my employees a service, and doesn't do my advertisers a service. So, you know, but we do, we do have an active Facebook page. We basically only, you know, use it to promote the newspaper, and we will put up um, things that are of public interest that are that are timely that we can't save or wait to put into the weekly, you know, like water main breaks or if there's a uh, a big wreck somewhere and a uh, highway's closed down, you know, we'll post those kind of things. But by and large, the news that we put in our newspaper, we do not regurgitate that on our Facebook page, simply because the more I give away for free, again, I mean, why would people buy it if I am putting it out where they can get it? you know, without paying us. So we, well, it we was have a, to keep the lights on. It was a fatal flaw of the news industry, the newspaper industry, whenever the internet began to 
spread was that everybody gave away their content yes. online. We we damaged ourselves and had no well there were people like me sounding the alarm but no one was listening. It was I, I remember working at the Belleville News Democrat when we got our web page and one of the reporters said, "Oh, you know, I just covered this and we put it up online already. We've got the story out." And I said, "Well, then why is somebody going to buy the newspaper right. to read that?" And I remember one of the the higher ups, one of the muckety mucks, looked at me and said, "People will always buy the newspaper." Right. <laughs> and it's like, and I remember thinking to myself at the time, I'm like, "Why well, doesn't, doesn't make, make any, any sense. sense?" Right. But that was the mentality that we had. It was a toy when we first started playing with it. Right. And the next thing you know, it, we we killed our own business model with it. So I'll circle back uh, because we both chased a rabbit there. How do people subscribe to the paper? Okay. So you can call us up at the paper. Uh, the number is obviously 618-357-6397. Pat or Stephanie or Amanda or Pete uh, or our other Stephanie. We have two Stephanies. Um, I, I'm blessed to have one of the greatest staffs and greatest groups of people that are all rowing their oar in the same direction. And, you know, we... We all have a common goal with the paper and what we're doing, but you can call up and any one of them that's there, um, you know, you might get me once in a while on the phone, but everybody that's there can help you out, can get a subscription started for you. Um, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page through Messenger. You can email us at uh, pinkneyvillepress.com and, you know, send an email to us. They're, you know, just get a hold of us. We'd love to get the newspaper to you. And I, I, I've got to put this bid in Forgotten Country. You know, we're down to just a couple of locally owned newspapers left in southern Illinois. You know, you've had the Centralia Sentinel sell recently and its group of papers, Carlisle and Salem and Mount Vernon. Um, you know, my, my partner Jerry has, has recently sold his papers. The Southern Illinoisan was recently sold. And right now, at least in, in the heart of your listening area, and there may be a few papers on the fringe, and I don't mean to leave anybody out, but the only two really locally owned papers that are left are the County Journal in Percy and our paper, the, the Weekly Press in Perry County. And guys, you've got to support us. You know, if, if you want to call the, the County Journal, call them and buy a subscription. They cover mainly the Trico area, uh, all of Randolph County and even Southern uh, St. Clair County. We cover the majority of the uh, rest of Perry County outside of the Trico area, and we need your support. We and to small businesses that are out there, you know, a lot of them think, "Oh, well, I can just, ju I can just put my ads on Facebook, and that's enough." Well, that that's not true, because there are people that listen to this radio station that would be been you would get a benefit from advertising on. There are people that read my newspaper or the County Journal or the other publications in Southern Illinois that are, you know, you can get your message to people that you're not hitting now. Facebook is not the be-all and end-all. Well, and, 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 and the flip side, too, Jeff, is that when you subscribe to a newspaper, when you support a local radio station, you're helping, uh, you know, pay for that accountability in government. Absolutely. Right? And, and you're helping keep a outlet open. I mean, Part of what I do here, talking to you, talking to, you know, the area elected officials and whatever, is, you know, provide an opportunity for people to hear what, you know, those who represent them are, are thinking. And um, and so that, you know, service uh, doesn't necessarily always have to exist. And the only way it exists is if these business models that me and you are operating yep. continue to, to, to function. Well, especially for us, 
um, you know, there people talk about crowdsourcing, and that's become a big thing, you know, in in recent years. We're the original crowdsource. Subscribers to the newspaper are why we can go do what we do. You know, in 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 Pinckneyville, the sign says fifty seven hundred. That includes all the prisoners at the Pinckneyville Correctional Center. You you can't trust that sign. But say there are thirty two hundred people in Pinckneyville. You go to a city council meeting, and there might be three people there. Yeah, you know, and people have lives, and they their kids are in sports, and their kids are in clubs and groups and organizations, and they've got church and you know all these different things that that pull at them. You know, once they get off work and spend all the time they do with their jobs, and they can't go to these meetings and basically by subscribing to us you're helping pay us to go do that for you and inform you about what's going on jeff egbert our guest in the studio we've got to work the last break of the day in and we will be back to wrap it up right after this Pinkneyville press DuCoin weekly or numerous other newspapers across the state and the uh and the region jeff i really appreciate you coming over and having this conversation with me i think it's been uh, fun and and productive well i appreciate it i appreciate your time and i you know i love the show i love what you do here i listen to it every chance i get you know that because i'll text you yeah when i hear something you know that i think's entertaining or funny or or provocative i'll i'll text you and give you my opinion on it and heaven knows I've got an opinion for everything. So. Well, I, I appreciate the feedback as all of us in this uh, business appreciate it because, you know, there are times uh, in the radio business and the newspaper business, whatever you wonder, well, is anybody, am I really connecting with anybody out here? And, um, and so getting a, a message back from time to time always uh, is encouraging. Well, again, uh, Look them up on Facebook. Give them a like. Pick up the Pinckneyville Press, the Ducoin Weekly, at one of the many locations throughout uh, Perry County. And there's very uh, few things. I can't promise it'll be this way forever, but there are a few things that you can still uh, pick up and have some value for just $1. Yep. And uh, they are continuing to offer this uh, quality product at that price. So, uh, Jeff? Do you, do, you, do you mind if I ask you a quick favor? Not at all. Do you? Can we play Wichita Lineman to go out with today? <laughs> uh, you've listened to the program before. You know how this is going to go. Thank you, Jeff. Have a great day. Thank you.